0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, with the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In this Sunday's Gospel, we see Jesus encounter Ten lepers outside of a village. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee, we read from the Gospel of Luke. As he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. It's hard to exaggerate the plight of these lepers. It's hard to Overestimate just how dire their situation is, humanly speaking. Leprosy in the ancient world was a incurable disease. It was extremely disfiguring. It would disfigure the person's facial features, especially. If you've ever seen photos of Saint Damien the leper, Saint Damien of Malachi, you see that lion-like visage that it would create in people. It was extremely contagious, and so it led to this radical form of social distancing, as we call it now. The lepers were expelled from the village. That's why they are on the outside of the village, and Jesus sees him on the way in, still on the outskirts of town. They were outcasts from their families, from their community, because of the threat of contagion. And it was a desperate state. It is completely incurable and eventually deadly to have leprosy was a death sentence. So the only possible hope for these lepers is a miracle. The only solution to their disease is some sort of divine intervention. There's no amount of troubleshooting, no amount of problem solving, no amount of research, no amount of doctor's visits that would help this, that they were going to die. And so, what do they do? In God's providence, in God's mercy, they encounter Jesus, and we can see from the passage that they know Jesus. They know that he was a healer. Jesus' master, they say, Rabbi, Jesus' master have pity on us, help us. And ancient authors, ancient Christian authors, have made this analogy very well, that sin, our sinful state, is like spiritual leprosy. It's a disease that is incurable, that leads to death and destruction. There's no human cure for it. It's a disease that disfigures us, it disfigures our soul and does so in such a way that if we're not repentant for our sins, if we don't open ourselves to God's mercy, it could be a permanent disfigurement, such that Jesus might see us at the end of our life and say, I never knew you. What happened to you? Sin also, especially since pride is the root of all sin, Sin also makes us outcasts. It alienates us from God and from each other. Sinfulness, and especially pride, self-centeredness, makes us withdraw from others, cuts us off from others, creates conflict with others. We judge them harshly. We refuse to forgive them. We're sensitive, oversensitive to the way they affect us or the way they let us down one way or another. Sinfulness leads us to, like these lepers, be cast out, cast out, separate from others, alone, and separate from God in our rebelliousness. And so like these lepers, in our sinfulness, our situation is is desperate. It's hard to exaggerate, hard to overstate how bad the sinful state is, how bad we are, insofar as we're sinners, how bad we have it. And like them, no amount of human effort, no amount of troubleshooting, no amount of research, no amount of human expertise and human help is going to help us. The only solution is divine intervention. The only solution is a miracle. And Lord Jesus, as you are the only source of help for these lepers, so too, for each one of us, you're the only possible cure, the only possible doctor who can heal the disease of our sinfulness. And so we cry out to you, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. The thing that we need the most, the most important thing for us to receive in this life, is God's mercy, is God's grace. But it's a thing that we can't get for ourselves, it's a thing that we can't earn. It's something that we can't produce by our own efforts. It's something that we can't even merit. <laughs> we can't do things to be worthy of it. It's a gift of God. Grace, saving grace, by definition, is freely given. Grazia gratis data. Grace is freely given by God. It's a gift. And so how do you get a gift? Well, you have to ask for it. You have to humbly ask for it. You have to be open to receiving it when it comes. You have to recognize it and not reject it. You have to appreciate it and receive it in thanksgiving. And so in our sinful state, in which we need grace more than anything, to be happy, to be holy, to be saved, to get to heaven, In our sinful state, we're like these men. All we can do is ask Jesus, Lord Jesus, have pity on us. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. And what Jesus does for us when we receive his saving grace in baptism, when we're restored to it in confession, when it's built up in our soul, in communion in the Eucharist, when we respond to it and therefore open ourselves more to it in our prayer life in doing God's will. What Jesus does for us there, that conversion of soul, especially when we move from a state of sin to a state of grace, from being in mortal sin or being in a pre-baptized state, the fallenness of original sin, to being baptized or to returning to the state of grace. What Jesus does for us there is just as amazing as what he does for these lepers. Go show yourselves to the priests as they were going. They were cleansed. And one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. One of them, realizing he had been healed, returns, falls at your feet, Lord, and thanks you. Do I realize how great it is to be saved? Do I realize how wonderful, how amazing it is to be forgiven in confession? St. Augustine says the work of conversion, when God brings a soul from a sinful state into a state of grace, when God brings a soul from being alienated from Him to being saved, being safe in His grace through baptism or through a big conversion and confession, That act of conversion, Augustine says, is a greater work of God, a greater miracle, than the creation of the whole universe. What what happens when someone is baptized? What happens when someone converts? What happens when someone is restored to grace in the confessional? Is a greater act of God, a greater wonder of God's power, than the creation of the whole universe, according to St. Augustine? The angels in heaven rejoice, more over one sinner who repents, than over ninety-nine righteous who have no need of conversion. Saint Thomas Aquinas says that the grace in one soul is worth more than the whole value of the physical universe. The supernatural order, the spiritual, unnatural order, in its own nature is so much higher in the physical order that Aquinas says, the grace present in one soul, God's love and help for that soul, is of more value than the whole created universe, and all the mountains, all the trees, all of the animals, right? All the, the whole created physical universe. Lord, do I value things in this way? Do I ask you insistently for your grace to forgive me, to heal me, to save me, Do I appreciate, Lord, like this leper, the one who comes back, who's a Samaritan, Luke points out, a foreigner, not a Jew, not one of the children of God's nation, God's family. Am I grateful for my baptism? Am I grateful for all the confessions which have restored me to God's grace or reinforced God's grace in me? Am I grateful for all my communions? When I receive you, Lord, do I spend time in thanksgiving after Mass, thanking you, Lord, for your presence, thanking you for this incredible love that you have for me, which has led you to unite yourself with me in communion. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Am I grateful to our Lord for all the manifestations of his grace? all the instances of his grace, all the miracles he's worked in my soul. When I was baptized, I was converted. Whether we were baptized as infants or baptized as adults, the moment of our baptism was a moment of great conversion, a miracle, a wonder, greater than the creation of the whole created universe, turning us from sinners into saints, sinners into sons and daughters of God. Thank you, Lord. October is the month of the Rosary. And in a way, the Rosary is all about this. It's all about this recognition that the most important thing we need to do is not something to do, but something to receive, something that needs to be done unto us, the reception of grace. In every Rosary, we pray six to twelve Our Fathers depending on which prayers you say before and after the main part of the rosary. And in the Our Father, we say, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Help me, Lord, in my sinfulness. Forgive me my sins. And we pray over 50 Hail Marys. No matter how you pray the rosary, you pray at least 50 Hail Marys. And in every Hail Mary we pray, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Pray for us sinners. Give us the grace of conversion. Give us, through your prayer, give us the grace of God's forgiveness, God's help, God's saving power. Pray for us sinners. To pray the rosary is to constantly call to mind our need for this grace our need for this mercy and it's to call to mind Our Lady and this is what Our Lady was all about Our Lady made herself a pure receptacle of grace she made herself a kind of infinite receptivity to God she wrote God a blank check be it done unto me According to your word, be done unto me according to your word. And so, to pray the Rosary is also to look to Our Lady and to consider and contemplate once again the secret of her greatness, which was not doing and controlling and glorifying herself, making sure she was a somebody and she got her, she got her way got her plans carried out and got her will done. No, her greatness lied in her emptying herself out as much as possible, totally, so that God could fill her with His saving grace. Be it done unto me according to your word. Our Lady attaches great promises to the rosary. She appeared to St. Alan de Rupe and she told him that 15 promises she made 15 promises to those of us who would faithfully recite the rosary reading these i was struck by numbers 9 and 10 they're not the most they're not the most extravagant but they're very powerful number 9 i shall deliver from purgatory those who have been devoted to the rosary number 10 the faithful children of the rosary shall merit a high degree of glory in heaven. I think that's a sound investment. <laughs> um, to pray the rosary takes 12 to 20 minutes a day. And for that 20-minute daily investment, the payoff, the reward is eternal glory, eternal happiness, getting out of purgatory quickly. It sounds like a no-brainer to me. Our Lady, help us to make this investment. Am I dedicated to the rosary? Do I pray the Holy Rosary every day? Do I try to pray it devoutly? And maybe some of us listening um, hear these promises, and perhaps even some non-Catholics listening, or some Catholics as well, And we can hear these promises and kind of think, well, that doesn't seem quite fair. Or isn't this cheating somehow? Right To have a high place in heaven and to skip over purgatory. Don't I need to be a saint to do that? Isn't this kind of like having some sort of cheat code or some scam? It seems too good to be true that all I need to do is to pray those 20 minutes a day and I'll be fine. And I think the answer to that is, well, if you really think about what you're doing for those 20 minutes and you try to do it well, you realize that these promises make sense. And for 20 minutes every day, we put our mind and our heart on the mysteries of our salvation, the mysteries of the incarnation and our Lord's public life and his passion and death and his resurrection and his glorification and the glorification of his mother. We put our mind and our heart on those saving mysteries for 20 minutes a day. And for 20 minutes a day, we pray the Our Father. And we make those petitions to Our Father, Our God, Our Father in Heaven. Those petitions that Jesus asked us to make for His will to be done, for His kingdom to come, His will to be done in us and in the whole world, for His kingdom to come through us, for our sins to be forgiven, for us to forgive others as a condition for our own sins to be forgiven. That he deliver us from evil and lead us not into the great test, the great temptation, the great trial. And for 20 minutes, we pray addressing ourselves to Our Lady, complimenting her, loving and praising the Mother of God. Hail Mary, full of grace, addressing her with the words of the angel Gabriel reminding ourselves of her goodness and her response to God, and how it's a model for us. Praising Jesus, blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. And then, as we have just considered, asking her 50 times for her help, for her intercession. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. And then we pray the glory be praising God, worshiping God, adoring God. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. And so for 20 minutes a day, we're considering these great mysteries of our faith, Jesus' love for us in his mother, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. And asking God to forgive us, asking for this grace, have mercy on us, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. And so this is not a, this is not a trick. The fact of the matter is, when we pray to Our Lady, she's going to pray for us. She's going to pray for our holiness. She's going to pray that we be worthy of going to heaven. She's going to pray that we overcome our sinfulness. This is the fourth promise. The recitation of the Rosary, she promised us through Saint Alan. The recitation of the rosary will cause virtue and good works to flourish. It will obtain for souls the abundant mercy of God. It will withdraw the hearts of men from the love of the world and its vanities and will lift them to the desire of eternal things. Oh, that souls would sanctify themselves by this means. So we ask our Blessed Mother, help us to pray the rosary well to do it more intentionally, so that it has the effect on us that, that God wants it to have and that you want it to have. And we ask our Blessed Mother, especially perhaps for the virtue of humility. It takes humility to convert. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests, if this isn't an, an implicit reference to confession, I don't know what is. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And this is going to be us. We're, we're, we have to avail ourselves of the ordinary means to forgive our sins, especially if we ever fall into the misfortune of committing a mortal sin, which of course can happen to any of us. And for that, we need to be humble. We need to overcome the natural embarrassment or natural shame of having to go to a priest and confess our sins because sometimes they're embarrassing and, and, and they're shameful. So Lord, give us the humility to do this. Give us the humility to use the humble means of confessing our sins to your representatives on earth. Help us, Lord, to find your grace wherever it's available, But we can't be like Naaman the Syrian. In the first reading, we read about Naaman the Syrian. And the reading starts with his being cleansed. Naaman went down and plunged into the Jordan seven times at the word of Elisha, the man of God. His flesh became again like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean of his leprosy. But we know the story, right? Naaman the Syrian, before that, when he was told by Elisha to bathe in the Jordan, he turned up his nose, and he got angry. He said, hey, there are better rivers in, in Syria. Why do I have to go into the Jordan? And if you've ever been to the Jordan, you realize it's not a, it's not a, a rhetorical question. The Jordan River, at least where I saw it, <laughs> close to Jerusalem, uh, the Jordan River is a nasty place. It's, it's not a very beautiful river. And Naaman says, "We've got better rivers in We've got better rivers in Syria. Why do I have to bathe here?" But then he's humble enough because his servant says to him, "Hey, if the prophet told you to go do something great and something glorious and something hard to be cleansed of your leprosy, you would do it. So why don't you just do this small thing?" And sometimes that's us and our pride. You know, we want to be the heroes. We want to be able to help ourselves. We resent having having to need help. We resent having to go to someone else for help with our problems, whether it's confession or spiritual direction or a doctor or a mentor or friend or whatever. And our our pride keeps us from being cured of the problems that we're suffering from because we'd rather keep suffering and keep trying on our own, even though we know it's not going to work, then have to be humble and admit to others that we need help. Admit to others that we messed up. Admit to others that we can't cure this on our own. And so these lepers have to say to Jesus, have pity on us. And then they have to be willing to go and show themselves to the priests, which is kind of humiliating or kind of embarrassing. And Naaman has to be humble enough to accept that okay, Elisha's asking him to get into this river, this dirty water, and not to do something great. And he has to be humble enough to take that advice. And Jesus in the gospel often asks people, what seems like an obvious question: "What do you want me to do for you, or do you wish to be cured?" Or he asks the paralytic at the pool in Bethesda, "Do you wish to be cured?" And the guy's been laying there trying to get into the pool for, can't remember, 30 something years. And he asks the blind man, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And he says, that I may see. So these aren't rhetorical questions, they're questions that are addressing a condition for being helped by our Lord. First, we have to be willing to give up our pride first we have to be willing to be humble, to admit that yes, I have leprosy, I need to be cured. Yes, I'm blind. I want to see. Yes, I'm paralyzed and I'm laying here. I want to walk again. I do want to be cured. Which entails to stop trying to fix it on our own and to be humble enough to show ourselves to God and to others when necessary, Warts and all, right? Not to put up the good front, not to always put on a show, a facade, a good face, not to always show others the Facebook us, but to be really and truly ourselves with our necessities and with our needs, with our weak points. Otherwise, we don't, we, we miss the. The main point, right, the, the first point was, sin is incurable, there's nothing I can do to fix it. And my pride is also incurable, there's nothing I can do to fix it. The only way to fix it is to admit it and to let God heal it, right, let God forgive it. Let God take it away. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I heard a joke recently, my, my brother told me a joke that a friend of his had told him, and I thought it was pretty funny and to the point on this topic. It's about a guy who dies and goes to heaven, and so of course he meets St. Peter there at the pearly gates. So St. Peter asks him, why should I let you in here? What did you do to deserve to get into heaven? And so the guy starts, he says, Well, I was happily married for fifty years. I was always faithful to my wife. We had five beautiful children and really tried hard to raise them in the faith. And so Peter says, Well, it's one percent. Oh, okay. What else? Well, I um I was very dedicated to my parish. I uh went to mass every Sunday, always I availed myself of the sacraments. I had a prayer life. I was a catechist in my parish for 25 years and always showed up and trained a lot of people for the sacraments, children, CCD. Yeah, I was a good practicing Catholic. And St. Peter says, well, I was, that's about another 1%. What else? Oh, it's only 2%, the guy says. Well, I was very apostolic a uh, very good friend of my friends and you know like five of them converted because of my friendship and my example and my evangelization i was their sponsor at their baptisms and confirmations that's pretty good right five five friends of mine converted and so st peter says yeah that's pretty good that's another 1% what else And the guy's thinking to himself, "Gosh, I'm only up to three percent. Still got ninety-seven percent left." So he cries out, "Lord, have mercy!" And Saint Peter says, "Oh yeah, that's it. That's the other ninety-seven percent. Come on in." And so that's us. (laughs) We're no matter how much we do, we don't merit heaven. No matter how good we are, God always does the heavy lifting. No matter how conscientious we are, how righteous we are, self righteousness is never enough. We're always in the position of the lepers. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. We're always in need of crying out to Our Lady in the Rosary, in this month of the Rosary. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Pray for us sinners and turn us into saints. Pray for us sinners, Our Lady, and help us, like you, to turn ourselves into receptacles of grace, emptying out, little by little, confession after confession, time of prayer after time of prayer, retreat after retreat, resolution after resolution, emptying out, clearing out of our hearts and our minds anything that's keeping us from God, any fears, any false notions, any resentments, any bad choices that we continue to make. Help us, Mother, with your grace, refuge of sinners. Help us to keep clearing out all that needs to go. Our Lady, Our Mother, refuge of sinners, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.